Rome FM. One use of Rome as a coach for me was like a kind of like a reflection, like kind of looking back at me tool. So it will give me insights about myself that I'd forgotten. Hello there. Welcome to Rome FM. Here we dive into the minds, workflows, and machinations of the Rome cult, the believers of Rome research. My name is Norman Cella, and I am on a mission to deconstruct wisdom from all walks of life so we can understand each other better. In this episode, we talk with Michael Ashcroft, a consultant, co-founder, and non-executive director of the Carbon Removal Centre, a UK-based non-profit organisation whose purpose is to advance sustainable carbon removal. He is also a certified teacher of the Alexander Technique, an awareness-based educational process that helps people live with greater ease and freedom, and a co-active coach working with clients in his spare time. We talked about how he stumbled into Rome research, starting off from Tiago Forte's Building a Second Brain course, his workflow when building his second brain, the Alexander Technique, and how he uses Rome to expand his understanding of the field, and Rome as a self-coaching tool, how he uses it for self-introspection, and of course, Rome cult as a culture, not a cult, the filter for meeting very interesting people. But really, this is more of a conversation to geek out about Rome. So let's dive into my chat with Michael Ashcroft. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Because we are going to have a lovely conversation about, well, two members of the Rome cult and how we will differ in using the amazing tool that is Rome Research. I'm not sure how it is for you, but uh, to me, it is making up a huge part of my routine. Everything goes in there. Mm. But I would love to hear about your origin stories from the perspective of... What was life like before Rome and how did you stumble into it? Sure, good question. Um, so I guess this could be heretical, actually, for the Rome cult. But I actually <laughs> came into the whole like knowledge management PKI thing from um, PKM thing from um, building a second brain um, from Tiago's course. And I, I know there's been some beefing going on between Tiago and Connor. So yes. yeah, I don't think it's kicked out of the, the Rome cult for this. But um, basically last year, I kind of had a bit of a, a transformation in terms of like, I was reading a book and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I should write this down. And then I had the thought, yeah, there's no point writing it down because I just lose the note anyway. Mm. And I just watched as this like insight disappeared from my life. And I had this meta realization of, oh no, I need to properly be like not wasting my, my, my time like this. Um, and I went on kind of soul searching. I found second brain, did write a passage and kind of like went through all of that stuff to get to here now. And then Rome came along and I was like, ah, this is cool. Yeah. Um, this, this solves the issue I've always had around not knowing where to put things. I'm a perfectionist in terms of the sense of, I will try to over-engineer a system going into it and then the system will break. And then I'll go like, oh, this is a bad tool or I can't deal with this or whatever. Um, and it, I'll just stop using it. But Rome hasn't had that trap because I can just be going into the notes. I can type something and then the structure appears by itself. And I love that. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I, I started loving Rome. and It's kind of grown from there. I, I find it fairly interesting that you require that uh, the need to engineer a system before the insight can be captured or at least uh, before uh, maybe put another way I think it's noted in BSCB that before a note can actually be used or it can actually be applied because there has to have like a certain context before you can apply whatever mm. that you just written down um, 
well, let's let's dive into that. Since you did talk about the fact that you had trouble and then now you found Rome and you're like, okay, mm. cool. And the next thing you know, you have the uh, Rome cult tattoo on your shoulder. I mean, that's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. But I would love to hear about your workflow. So let's let's do sure. a situation, right? I have a new book out and this book is really fascinating to you. And you you would, you know, take your time to read it. Maybe you have your reading sessions or something like that and you have notes. Yep. How does that go into your room? I would love to hear your take. So the first thing that I do is I use the, the keyboard maestro shortcuts um, that Maggie Appleton put together. Um, so I'll just type like, I got some daily notes and I open up a, a new page to the title of your book, um, go in there and kind of do, you know, slash RMBK. Um, and it gives me a bunch of metadata um, and headings. Um, and then I would read it in a kind of um, how to take smart notes way only in a kind of high level. I don't mean that I'm not kind of rigidly, I haven't gone into detail, but like the general shape of it would be read through the book, kind of taking, uh, underlining, making dots somewhere, um, adding a couple of comments, and then going back over the, the, the what I've just read and extracting out a couple of things. One is like any particular quotes I like, um, like, hey, you said this nice turn of phrase, or it's just well, it, very well expressed. I'll summarize the key concepts for myself as a separate heading, restating what you said in my words. And then I've got a separate section, which I, I love from, from How to Take Smart Notes. And I think the whole subtle custom idea is, is that you only write down your own ideas. Right. And so I've got a separate heading that's just my ideas. So like, well, when I was reading this, it occurred to me like X, Y, and Z. It's not in your book, but I still want to capture it in the context of your book. And then I can link it, like I can like tag each block against something else in my database. So that's quite helpful. That's what works really well with Rome in terms of using that for that use case rather in mm. that you have block specific references, which is pretty yeah. interesting because in the context of the book, whatever this book is, I'm, I'm just going to name it, you know, a cool book, right? In the context of this cool yeah. book, you have the chapter, then you have the paragraph, then you have the insight. The insight can be interpreted in different ways. Great. But when you put it through your, what I call mental filter, which is basically, you know, mm -hmm. the accumulation of all your experiences and that will result in a new meta idea or concept that is derived mm. from you, right? Like once it goes in your head, what comes out is your own new fresh idea. You apply that or you write that down and then make sure that you keep it referenced to its context. And then maybe you can apply it or uh, link it to something else. But mm. now that you do it like that, now I'm curious how do you link those new Zettel ideas to other places? I would love to hear like examples. Mm. Say if you have like a book that you've read recently and you think to yourself, oh, okay, and now I have this new insight. I have this new idea. Yeah. I put it into Rome. Uh, is there anything out there that I can see? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just need to kind of like open up <laughs> things in Rome in real time. Yeah, um, go for it. So yeah, what I do is normally, um, so this, okay, the whole like referencing a, a block and tagging a block is is why I love Rome over say Evernote. Because like, if I have a, a a note in Evernote, then I like I have to tag the entire note. So it just gets very silly very quickly. And for example, I, I read a, a book recently, or oh, reading a book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. So this is people who think they can't draw and it kind of turns off their analytical parts and tricks their conscious mind to switch off so that they can draw properly. Sounds and, like me. <laughs> right. Most people are kind of overly analytical. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so on this one, I can see that I've got a whole bunch of tags in basically every paragraph. It's like a, an idea. Every block is an idea. 
everyone contains every block contains a linked reference to somewhere else, which is amazing. Um, so it could be Alexander Technique, Self2, Wuwei, Gestalt, Neuroplasticity, some actors, some yeah, people people I've worked with who've recommended it are just like in in the in the context. Yeah. And at the same time, the way I move it around is I can see that there's some block reference tags against it. So I've got like, you know, one, one, one down the side, which means that they exist somewhere else. So I tend to leave the raw note, the original like source of truth in the context of the book. And then I'll be able to like reference the block um, reference somewhere else. Wait, but so when that's you, how I do it. But when you talk about original source of truth, you don't mean, do you mean like penning it down uh, ad verbatim? And then you refer to it, or is it that you write down in Rome the your notes, and that mm. becomes the context that you will refer to as you are applied to somewhere else? Like maybe you apply to a yes. field. Ah, uh, okay, so, okay. So what I what I mean is that, that I I have a page per book, and then I won't copy and paste out the ideas to somewhere else. I won't okay. cut them out. I'll just leave them there, and then use block references to point back to the book notes. Right, because that's where I got them from in the first place. So I can have the I can have the ideas all over the place, hmm. but I just I leave the, the original in the in the in the book page. That's all. So you don't have pages for ideas? Uh, I do. Um, okay. So, but that's where block references come in. So when I talk about ah, like okay, the, okay. the ideas that, so like okay, there's an idea about you know academics talking about their research while writing about it. That's just something I wrote down. That's an idea that I like. And I just tagged it, and the author does it. That's not like doesn't need a whole page for that. That's okay. just an idea. Yeah. But there's something else like um, Alexander Technique. I have you know a long list of my own notes, and then reference things at the bottom that has its own page, right? So I don't plan this out um, carefully, and I don't use the the evergreen note style of like here is a long statement that I believe to be true as a page. I don't I don't do that so much. Mm. Um, but it just kind of does happens organically, basically. Like as I'm as I'm in flow of typing, I'll tag what I think is important and then structure will emerge on its own. Yeah, I don't do that as well. Uh, the notion of having a long sentence uh, as a page and then you can find mm. out more about details. I, I try to think of it as either one concept or one and try to noun it if that's if that's yes. if yeah. that makes sense uh, because it can be referred in other places and if you try to use that phrase if it was written that way in a different idea or a different environment it may not flow as well or I may not agree with it as much or I might mm -hmm. be confused by my own writing because I chose to write it that way in that context but it doesn't work here even though I yes. know the the inner machinations of that idea can potentially work it's hard trying to think of a Rome system. Do you find it that there's a difficult balance between trying to engineer a system or like your your need to engineer a system in Rome than really trying to either accept or trying to adapt to the lack of a need for structure in mm. a tool like Rome? I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I've been having a lot of trouble with that myself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. So, you know, I said that I used to... Um, have that issue with with second brain stuff and Evernote of like needing to know the structure in advance. Yeah. And I've been letting go of that quite a lot now and kind of focusing on what you might call a kind of non-coercive kind of um, Rome system or, or productivity system where I focus to maximize serendipity rather than like discoverability even. So like there's a lot of stuff in here now it's growing on its own. If I try and keep track of everything, I'm going to lose it. Okay. Um, it's just too much basically. So I try and tag things like, like you were saying, they're like short nouns, short terms for things. So I can reference them in line somewhere else and, you know, without getting confused. I do a lot of um, daily 
logging in the sense of how am I feeling um, and things coming up. So it's always like in context to a day or an emotion or something as well, um, or emotion logging. So yeah, it's a diverse range of things I use with it. And I'm, I'm not like, it's for this or it's for that. It's just kind of like whatever comes up in me on a given moment, kind of if I'm at Rome, at my laptop, it goes into Rome and then structure happens. Ah, okay. So allow it to naturally form as opposed to yeah, trying exactly. to, ex- trying to, shall we say, impose the, uh, like a rigid structure to give it order, even though it's not yeah. really, uh, that needed. I think that's, that's why Rome is so good because it adapts to that, like our need mm. to not have order because it, it is us like it's representative i mean yeah. diving into someone's room would be the most interesting thing to think about because oh, if, totally. if i were to like if a famous figure in like human history mm. has a rome graph that would be the craziest thing to ever like discover it will be yeah. the equivalent of of like archaeologists finding an amazing discovery not in civilization but in like a thought or like in mm. the history of someone's mind like if albert einstein had a rome graph database i mean we'd pay big money <laughs> to get amazing. access <laughs> but then what if you go the level beyond that and you know albert einstein had a rome database and so did niels bohr and you could like go from one to the other so when where albert einstein references niels bohr or whoever else in physics you just click on their name and then you're in their database oh. and you can just like navigate right <laughs> <laughs> So I've created a, I've created a public Rome. Just I've, I'm, a, I'm a true believer now because obviously, um, so yeah. I've got two extras and I've got one public one, which I haven't used at all. It's just like it's there that I've shared. But the, the fact that it is there is now making me think quite differently about like oh I can use this thing that's there now. I can start doing a public. At some point I can start putting ideas into it and building out this kind of digital garden thing, whatever it might look like, um, and just kind of help that concept along a little bit. How are you using it differently? I would love to hear the differences between what constitutes as a note or a page in your private room and how does it transfer mm-hmm. to public? So at the moment, I'm not using it, honestly. I have I just okay. created it um, such that I it kind of orients my brain in the direction of knowing that it exists. Therefore, I'm likely to be like subconsciously processing how I can use it. Mm. So some current thinking is I would pick it for a couple of things. One is like, an intro to me almost of like, okay, you want to get kind of know what I'm about. Here are some key topics that I find interesting. You can kind of bounce around if you like. There's a whole like working with the garage door up thing, um, yep. Andy Matusha kind of style of like, okay, here are my, like literally my raw notes on a topic. Right. And I'm looking for any kind of collaboration or input from anyone. So please just like kind of browse around um, and find anything cool. Let me know. That's where I'd love kind of a, a commenting level um in in rome or like a you know i know you've got the thumbs up and stuff but i haven't really used the, the collaboration stuff yet but if you could link between rome databases publicly of like hey michael wrote this block over here about design technique i'm going to write over here in my public room that this sounds a lot like this other thing that i do but i'm going to tag his block in my in my thing i get notification oh. and then you can just like go around um these public rooms and just that'd be, it'd be so cool that's the, the dream i guess that would be an insane sort of meta network thought conversation, really. So, like for example, yeah. if we if we take the situation of, uh, say that I have a public room, mm. and I have my own notes, I have my own you know working with the garage door open, uh, with these fields that I'm interested in. I read yours, and I'm like, oh wow, you said something pretty interesting here. I'm mm. gonna reference your block yeah. under my note and have my notes put under it, and then have notifications. 
the 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 uh, opportunities of that would be pretty interesting because the best thing would be when we have two people's roams mm. with fields that are not exactly relevant to each other. I think in that way, Rome works well as sort of like the icebreaker to accelerate the the moment where we're like, okay, let's try to innovate something or let, let's try to like brainstorm and put things together, right? It, it's like mm. the little teaser that's like, hey, you guys like this. Why don't you talk about it? Like, I, I think that would be pretty amazing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think I've seen, I've seen Connor talking somewhere around like block references are unique. Um, across the entire Rome system, so like in my my block reference in my my database is the only one that exists, and it only points to my 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 reference, my block. And so what excites me is that I, I can see this becoming a quite a big thing um, over the long time frame. You know, like a multi-year. You know, we've just bought I've just bought a five-year subscription to Rome, so it, he'll be around, I think. Um, <laughs> but it kind of shows that this is the direction of travel, and I can imagine it being quite a powerful thing that people do in a few years' time. Um, and it's just cool to be at the beginning of that now and getting kind of comfortable with it before um, it, before it goes cool and before it goes mainstream. So hipster of me. Um, but <laughs> it's just nice to be kind of playing with this while it's still kind of in a small scale system rather than like huge, like kind of TikTok style of how we do this, you know? Yeah, I mean, the value of that possibility is exciting us enough that, mm. well, we have, you know, true believers like like you to be here for five years to see where is it going to go. Uh, I actually didn't know about that, about the fact that the block references are unique. I've always thought that it was unique according to my own Rome, or at least according to my own Rome account. Even if I have mm. three graphs open, I would think that the least that it can do, it would be intra-account connections between the three mm. Rome graphs. That will be a possibility, I, I'm assuming, if we're going to go down the route of, say, uh, like, like what you're doing now, you have your private Rome, and then you have your public mm. digital garden Rome, Instead of rewriting everything into Rome, you can just embed all yeah. the notes. Then you don't have to worry about rewriting it over and over again. Exactly. I mean, what I would like ideally is that I'm writing in my own personal Rome database. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, this block would be good in the public one. I can just tag it there. And then at some point, I can like filter for the tag of you know, public or something, copy all the block references, and just paste the block references into the public one and then organize them however I want to over there. And um, that would rather than kind of like typing out or seeing them as a whole separate system. Yeah. Um, it feels more like it's the same system, just this is the public bit of the bigger the thing, the bigger thing I'm working on here. It's just like a thing that you can see behind it. Um, so I just want to remove FAF for that. And I could be wrong about what um, what Connor's doing. I, I think I saw it in a, in a tweet or one of the documentation somewhere. Okay. My word for it, but I'm pretty sure that's what he was doing. No, well, no, if it's actually... If it's actually designed like that, then the possibility of of blocks being referenced across graphs would be pretty interesting. Uh, hopefully with consent, because then you could yeah, potentially so, yeah. <laughs> you could potentially hijack somebody else's block, and then it could be anything, right? It could be like a like a password or something, uh, or it could be <laughs> yeah. one of the myriad myriad of uh, empty bullet points that I have because I've. I don't know if you have this. Sometimes I have a lot of copy paste problems from notes to put into Rome, mm. and I would have a lot of like blank blocks, and I can't really delete a lot of it because it, it does get really messy. Um, but that's oh, the that's uh, yeah. But that's the disadvantage of going from apps that have defined structures in terms of mm. your note taking and putting it into Rome, like the yeah. trying to translate that 
to make it more free from like like trying to make your notes go like you're free now right like now you can mm. now you can connect however you want <laughs> it becomes very difficult <laughs> it, it does and i've showed my, some friends of mine how rome works and you know you just open up a new account and it's just like the day like the, yeah. today's date yeah and then you start typing it's like well what it's just a bullet point like what what the hell yeah. um and it, it takes a certain level of nerdery and persistence <laughs> to kind of really go like oh now i get this thing but the the onboarding i'm, I'm sorry connor is just it, the onboarding is the rome cult <laughs> it's just <Yep>. like <laughs> you have to hang out on twitter and just see people like posting workflows and like oh that's cool let me play with that it's a very specific kind of person who's into this right <laughs> um and until until there's like a way of bringing someone in step by step it's going to stay this way I think, but it's, it's, yeah. Uh, how do you even explain this? I don't know. Um, you just have to kind of see an action and kind of as a clicking moment and then like, okay, I can go from here. So what was the aha moment when you were trying out Rome and then you, that moment where your brain clicked and thought there's so many possibilities. Like, do you remember that moment? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple. Um, yeah. and I'm not someone who uses queries and I'm not that advanced yet. Um, but the two that stand out for me were bi-directional linking um, so the fact that there's this page, some, I can just be typing in flow tags, a concept, and then I know there's a page for it. That was cool. And then wasn't the idea of the linked reference, but the unlinked reference, I found extremely cool. Um, so I, I had a big issue when I started out of like, do I have to tag every instance of this keyword that I'm using? Let's say I'm writing about Alzheimer's technique. Do I have to make a page for Alzheimer's technique in every single time I write it or would it get lost? And then I saw the, the unlinked references i'm like oh this is picking up just every string of text on this topic and now i was playing with this like i can since i use it for kind of journaling and, and real-time logging i've now made pages for things like i feel um i want oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. i don't want you know <laughs> i saw this tweet i saw this tweet i immediately took it i was so i, I was so <laughs> enamored by this okay so uh uh, for, for those listening, uh, this was a tweet ages ago when, a few months ago, I believe, when you, I forgot the exact wording, but I remember that I bookmarked this tweet and I tried it. So I have a page and I call it the mm. Rome Exploration page, which is basically yeah. uh, my way of trying to define the modes that I will be in when I'm in my own graph. Oh, and cool. by, that, by that, I mean like, um, like I, I have time boxed this session to say, write an article in Rome with these following things. It's, or mm. I have a freeform exploration session, right? Let's just one hour of just, let's start from here, right? And just do whatever. Yeah. Right? I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of fun writing into, writing into Rome because I'm such a nerd. But anyway, yeah, uh, I tried this. Uh, I think I have like, I want, I feel, I'm worried, I'm confused, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder, and I like, I dislike, I love, I hate, or something like that. Yeah. So how, how was that experience for you now that you tried that out? <laughs> It's good. Um, I I just I don't use it in kind of every time, so I don't I don't tag myself when I'm saying I want. I don't make that a page. Okay. But the fact that I know that I can go to the I want page anytime, and then just like scroll through the unlinked references. Yeah, I find that's cool, right? And I don't do it very much. I don't. It's not a thing I, I do in a weekly review or anything like that. But I, occasionally, I kind of want to get a sense of my general emotional state or like where I was as a person in a particular range of time and because it links the I want with a day and in context with what else I was doing that day it's just like oh I, I can kind of cast my my mind back to who I was at the time um, which is a useful tool if you're like doing reflection and that kind of thing that that, that has now evolved a little bit um, hmm. so I'm a, I'm a life coach as well uh, I trained under the kind of coactive model 
um, which is a, it's like a kind of, um, it's a way of doing coaching and they have a kind of saboteur model. So you have sabotaging voices in you that kind of hold you back from doing things. And what I do now in Rome is that I I've labeled the saboteurs and I write down what they're thinking. Right. So I, I kind of separate myself out from them. Let's say the judge is a saboteur and I will write as kind of interstitially, like the judge is annoyed at this person. Right. Ah, okay. And then I can kind of separate me from it. But it also means that I can click on the judge and see all the judgy voices <laughs> over time that the judge has had in context with people and things and places and whatever. And again, this is really helping me kind of see my own brain yeah. in a kind of a literal, literal way almost. That's actually really fascinating. Like Rome is helping you with adding another dimension of self introspection in that mm. you look back at certain prompts like I want or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can assign or at least determine who you were at that time. And it allows you to play with that memory or play with that mm. thought and say like, okay, I was this kind of person at that time. I feel that this by labeling them as such or by writing my thoughts down right now, I believe that I can maybe one, disconnect from negativity or two, empower myself because I was that person before and now I am this person who has learned a lot of lessons, etc. Yeah. Oh, okay. So do you do you use Rome a lot in like life coaching, like with helping uh, your clients? So I'm currently using it for me. I have um, mm. I have a page for each client and I will I'll kind of jot down some notes, but it's not a kind of, I'm not building it for that purpose, but I will just kind of as a scratch pad almost. But the, the, the thing I use it for is more like a self-coaching tool. So uh, I use yeah. it as, as in the same way that um, Nicholas Luhmann described his title class and as like another brain that talked to him and, you know, and had like a, a second party in the conversation, I'm almost treating Rome or one use of Rome as a coach for me. or was like a kind of like a reflection, like kind of looking back at me tool. So it will give me insights about myself that I'd forgotten um, or things that I said I wanted or perspectives that I wanted to take on, for example, and I'm like, oh, okay, no, I hadn't. Thank you for reminding me, Rome, or thank you for like pointing this thing out at the right time when I had to hear it, which otherwise a coach might do for me kind of thing. It blends. It's not just pure content or knowledge. It's also self-knowledge that goes in. So that's why I'm, I'm always starting to share screens, you know, screen shares of my, my Rome, because at any time you might see like, well, here's a fact and here's my view on something like personally. Uh, they're all kind of, they were mixed together. Yeah, the distinction between that is something that I'm still questioning about, even though I really mm. agree with what you're saying in that we have in, in our realms, we have like pure knowledge and then you have experiences and then you have, you know, like the emotional roller coasters that we are journaling down. Yeah. To what extent are all of these intermingling together? It makes sense that they're all in the same room because they reflect us, who we are and what we experience and what we know, which is fantastic. Uh, I've always wondered if there is a fine line between what should be put into mm. Rome in that you should define the purpose of your Rome in the first place instead of just dumping everything together you should be carefully adding in specific things uh, maybe did you have that kind of difficulty in the beginning uh, when you were trying to switch from say BASAB to Rome and then you're like okay let me just copy paste everything in from Evernote and just see what happens or was it a matter of like clean slate and then you defined those uh choices beforehand yeah so i started off kind of copying over notes from evernote and then i, I very quickly stopped doing that oh, okay. um because it it didn't it didn't work and some of those things felt a little stale at that point 
So I didn't want to kind of clog up the roam system with just stale old stuff. So I started from kind of just like daily logging. Every day I would just like log what I was doing, what I was reading, whatever, and it would just grow from there. Um, so I'm not so bothered. It, you know, what you're describing there is the same kind of need for structure before starting mm. that I was falling into. Yeah. So I let go of that one for this one and just like, I'm, I don't care about structure. I don't understand this tool. This is a weird and wonderful wacky tool. I'm going to see what happens as I use it. And then, okay, well, I seem to be coalescing on so ideas and kind of my own emotions, if you like. Those are the kind of key areas and people as well. I kind of, I keep track of what people like and that kind of thing. Um, but I also don't use it in, in the second brain context. I only really use it for resources um, uh, on okay. the, in the power system. I, I, I've tried doing project management and area management. And so far it's, it's not working that well. Um, so it's a combination of like factual resources and ideas and also like interstitial journaling from my own use, if you like. Yeah, there may be some flaws there. Either that or maybe, like you were mentioning before, if you record too much of it, maybe it'll get lost, right? Like mm. it, maybe it, it will be like that. I, I've noticed that too. I, I've been trying to use it as a task manager, you know, switching blocks to turning it into to-dos. Mm. Not not doing good so far. Not doing good. Right. <laughs> but in the end, pen and paper is always pretty great. Um, but I think that's just because I have a very strange mind or uh, I've had this realization that who I am when I write on pen and paper and typing mm. in Rome and typing in a different note-taking tool is different, like completely yes. different. So I, I like even who I am when I'm tweeting is very different. Mm. And I think it's just because like I understand like, what the systems, how these systems are, except that pen and paper is the most free form because, you know, it's not like I'm posting it publicly. But a Rome really does encourage you to go completely in any direction you want and it, it will you know forgive you for doing so which is yeah. which is pretty interesting uh, on the note of uh coaching one of the fields that you're most well known for at least in the twitter first uh is the uh mentioned alexander technique yes i know that you have a page full of it i i have no yeah, clue I, I have no clue like what kind of <laughs> notes are in there but i'm sure there's like updates from like resources that you've read or maybe like journals or mm. academia or whichever. Could you tell me, maybe give a little bit of a backstory as to what Alexander Technique is mm. and how did Rome help you understand the technique better? Sure. So Alexander Technique is a, a system of, of thought of being that helps us undo um, habits, if you like. So we, the way I often describe it is... When you were young, a teacher would have yelled at you to pay attention. Um, and when you hear that, you naturally stiffen up and you look like you're paying attention, right? Uh, um, okay. Using muscles to, to look like you're doing it. Um, and then over time, you kind, of, you kind of forget that holding your body in a certain way has nothing to do with thinking or paying attention. Um, so like people often look like they're thinking when they're thinking, like kind of scrunching up their faces and that kind of thing. Um, but if you try to stop doing it, you'll struggle. Like if you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to think without looking, without scrunching up my face, you'll find that you you kind of you can't stop it. You'll still do the thing. So Alexander technique is a method of learning how to constructively refuse to give consent to responses like that. Right. So I'm going to not scrunch up my face. I'm going to not walk the way I habitually walk. That kind of thing. Um, and it's a whole process in itself to do that. Refusing to give consent to allow the habit to happen yes okay let me wow. let me let me pull a trick on you um, all right so um there's a simple version of this which is you know don't think of an elephant and then of course you think of an elephant 
Um, yeah. and another one is that I use on, on exactly another one on coaching calls is I do, um, so in a minute, I'm going to ask you to identify an object that you can pick up around you. Yeah. And now is there already a part of your brain going off kind of scanning the environment for things that you can pick up? Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Everyone yeah. falls into that. And even though I said in a minute, not even right now, yeah, you, you still kind of yet. got hijacked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't even asked yet. Yeah. So you didn't give consent to that. Your brain just, just went off and did its thing, right? And at the same time, you had a collapse of awareness, I'm guessing, so that you became less aware of the space around you. You just like kind of went into this kind of mode, right? Yeah. Looking, not, not you didn't look that way, but you, part of your brain was doing this, right? Yeah, I think present. it was. It so, felt like a. It felt like a trigger of, okay, you 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 will ask me this. I should prepare. Yeah, exactly. Let me just like scan the room right now like i might i mean i'm looking at the webcam right now like we're talking right now yeah. and it might not be obvious on my face but i was like i really was just like scanning like oh yeah, okay no, I know uh, this, yeah, okay <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah it's it's very common and I've, I've done now about 25 or 30 of these calls like like this like, like kind of a lot more of that kind of stuff yeah and the only person who who didn't fall for it in that sense said that he had no inner monologue his entire life like he has no narrating voice in his head at all. So he didn't fall for it, but he had other ways that he does. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's a method of learning how to notice that that thing happening, that hijack happening, and then kind of consciously and constructively choosing not to be dragged along with it, basically. So you can either choose to pick an object or you can choose to make a coffee. And they're both like options available to you, but you're not kind of like dominated either by picking up an object or by pushing away the idea of, right? So mm. in the sense of like, if you don't think of an elephant, one way people do that is by over-focusing on something else. Like, okay, I won't think of an elephant, but I will focus on that tree out the window really hard and push away the elephant, <laughs> you know? Okay. But you're yeah. still defining your experience by the elephant. Yes. So this yeah. is like, it's, not, it's neither of those. So this is not an Alexander um session. So I will talk about Rome and how I've grown in my understanding of it. So I, I came I came to Twitter not expecting to talk about this basically, <laughs> but then I kind of I realized the crowd I'd fallen into was quite into this kind of thing. Um, so what I'm looking for is basically like all the things that are like Alexander technique that I can use to then enhance my understanding of it. So Alexander himself, like he didn't do the work of, this is like Buddhism, this is like neuroscience, and he was doing it in 1900s, or like 1900 and whatever, like 10. Um, so, like there was no knowledge back then of like neuroscience, and even even Buddhism wasn't understood in the West, in the, in the West very much. Um, so what I've got in Rome is I read articles and books and people's tweets and newsletter replies and conversations and whatever. When people say like, oh, this sounds a bit like this other thing. And then I'm like, okay, like when I'm reading that other thing, I will tag blocks against Azan technique, like specific examples of like exercises or ways of describing things or people who are involved. And I'm building up this web of knowledge of things that are Azan technique and things that are kind of adjacent in every direction around it. So I'm kind of creating a space that I can then wander around and figure out by that, by looking at the references outside of it, what the thing itself actually is. And through connecting all of these resources uh under the page of alexander technique or at least tagging mm. them and i guess interpreting them and in writing notes uh in accordance with what yeah. the resource is how does it help you with being in a conversation of alexander technique say on twitter or with your clients mm. it means that i can i can use different words that resonate better i can describe things in the context of experiences that you've already had 
for example, um, because people will say like, oh yeah, I, I recognize that from when I was doing X, right? I had this experience. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to take that. Um, because <laughs> if, if that experience is common, which they usually are, I can then say, okay, well, it's like when you dot, dot, dot. I'm like, oh yeah, now I get it kind of thing. Because this is, it's kind of, um, I think the parts of the brain that we use in our science technique are explicitly the non-wordy parts. It's kind of right hemisphere or whatever the, the kind of the bit that isn't analytical is. So any words that you use tend to be wrong um, because the, by definition. So what I do is I point to, you know, that time, you know, the kind of experience when or when you we had this kind of thing happen to you and people are like, oh, no, yeah, I, I can get it. I can relate to that. And we kind of go from there. So it's, it's useful for that, for sure. So a lot of uh, potential similarities that it can bring up, especially when trying to introduce the technique. Um, yeah analogies i'm sure that will really mm -hmm. help because i think the articulation of the technique is probably something that is extremely important one when trying yes. to coach a client to well achieve their goals which is as i guess for life coaching it might be like a transformative kind of goal like they want to be more mm. empowered in a certain way you want to teach them this technique but talking about it may be a little bit too difficult so mm. you know you think about oh you know the time when this happened and elephants hmm, okay yeah that's that's <laughs> If you can collect all of these experiences, then I feel like you'd have a weapon for every situation. I mean, I call it a weapon, but really it's like mm. a, a tool for every moment in time where you can apply the technique or you can apply the field that you're interested in into uh, whichever situation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So rather than trying to impose my jargon on them, um, which is what Alessandro Technique teachers tend to do, which is you know, we use our own particularly like niche jargon, like inhibition and direction and primary control and these things, which you have no idea what they mean. Yeah. Um, rather than like trying to enforce these words on you, I like, I go to where people are already and I kind of like adapt it a little bit. So if I had the more like projections I have out into the world of other ways of knowing and, and thinking about things, the more people I can access, the more ways I can explain it and the quicker people get it. Um, rather than kind of going through like, well, here's our definition of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Go away and study it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Vomiting the definition on them won't really, won't really work. Yeah. Uh, I would think that you might have probably in your Rome page, like 20 different definitions on different levels of articulation <laughs> or different levels of formality. I have. And I think, I think that would be the best way to do it because it depends on the person. You know, if the person is someone who isn't really well-versed in academia or their vocabulary isn't up to that level, or they yeah. just don't choose to, then you'd have to use something with, uh, you'd have to use simpler examples, which, you know, mm. anyone can relate to a simpler example. So I think that would be uh, the best way. Now, well, now that you yeah. have Rome, and now that you have <laughs> this way to connect all of these resources for Alexander Technique, is there like a, like a dream project that you want to work on where uh, Rome can really help you? There are a couple that I'm thinking about. Um, yeah. So Alexander Technique is commonly taught in person using touch. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do it online. So that's the yeah. first level. Um, what I want to get to is taking some of the principles behind it and applying it to other areas of life kind of in an integrated way. So it's not a standalone thing that you, you just learn and that's cool. But it's something that, you know, everything that we do can be flavored by it, so to speak, in a kind of a non-coercive frame. So what I mean by that is, let's say productivity as a good one. Yeah. Um, there are two ways of achieving something. One is that you can force yourself, 
you know you can you can say i want to do this and then like beat yourself with a stick until you do it <laughs> or you can get out of your own way and let the thing do itself right and you've had you had experiences where it was kind of effortless you weren't having to like compel yourself to do the thing you were just into it and it happened so that kind of experience comes from when there's low self-interference so like you, you don't have conflicts in your mind you have very clear about what you want and you're just like fully able to go for it the way that you undo the conflicts is in many ways so i'd love to put together oh, okay. a course or some kind of program around um how do you get out of your own way in a knowledge work context in a creativity or a kind of you know productivity context rather than just like walking and sitting and standing, which is what it's commonly used for in dancing and performing as well, that kind of thing. If you're putting it that way, you would probably have to package the product in a way where it's not about Alexander Technique, it's about this goal, like getting out yeah. of your own way via Alexander Technique. Exactly. And, and, I, and I would see in a, few, in a few masterclasses that you would actually have different modules for different, different aspects or different fields. So... Mm -hmm you would have like this one major primary method of achieving whatever this goal is, or maybe it's a goal that they choose to like the, the person that, mm. that's attending the course will choose to. And there are different modules and it's up to them to skip or to really like chime in on like drill in on one specific mm. uh, module. If it's really relevant to them. So as an example, I would be totally interested if you're going to do something like how to get out of your own way and be productive via mm -hmm. Alexander technique. But then if, if that's the master class. And then productivity is one module and then a different module would be in medical science or mm. in chemistry. It may not be relevant to me, but I thought, oh, you know, why not? It's nice to see that this is applicable to, it's nice to see that it's universal. I think that's the biggest mm. thing, like how to make a very universal resource. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I'm working, I'm thinking about is, you know, there'll be a, a core set of things around the Alexander Technique principles, which you then apply elsewhere, but it would be very experiential. So a lot of games and go away and play with this and that kind of thing. And then we'll start applying it to different contexts. But the, I guess one of the, the, the larger ambitions is that I'm kind of seeing the world as becoming a bit like hooked on doing or caring. Like we care so much. And I'm kind of using the word care pejoratively at that point. Um, so there's like caring as in like, I want, I, you know, my values align with this thing and I want it to be, I want it to exist is one kind of caring or I, I want you to be happy is a caring, yeah. but there's also like kind of, I care so much that I finished this report ah, kind of caring, right? When a boss is like putting pressure on you and like your body tenses up and your mind narrows and you just like your life sucks because you really care about like not failing or about like impressing someone and that kind of caring really doesn't help you. Like it actually actively interferes with your performance, but it's very hard to stop once you're in that loop. So this is again about like, how do you get people, how do you help people to loosen their grip over themselves such that they can perform better with less effort and more happily in the process? That's what the, the kind of the aim is on a wider scale. So to care with intent or at least care out of altruism as opposed to care out of fear, at least that's how I would interpret it. Mm. Because if you, if you take that situation where... I want to care about this project being done because my boss is berating me from, from yeah. behind. It's not that I care about it being done. It's more like I care about not getting into trouble or I care mm. about negative consequences. Maybe mm -hmm. the reframing of that will be yeah. a very pivotal part of um, if you're going to do a course in a very experimental manner or at least some sort of, um, a, sort of a workshop 
because this may not apply mm. to everybody. But if you have a workshop Indeed. where people can like write down like what kind of situations would actually come up where you can apply this. Oh, okay. I, I think that'd be pretty cool. And then if you could like that'd be fun. outline that in Rome, that'd be pretty cool. Um, what yes. do you need help with actually? Is there, is there like, are you looking for someone to help you design this or are you looking for another Rome cult to talk shop or like discuss or freelancer or anything? Uh, I think at this point, one of the things I'm, one thing I'm struggling with a little bit, well, two things actually, one is just the time to do this stuff. So I, I haven't mentioned, but I have a, a, a full-time job in consulting. Yes. Um, I'm an energy consultant. Um, surprise, not off, off brand. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's very difficult to um, squeeze in the time in evenings and weekends to do this stuff, but I'm trying. So that's my main challenge. Whether there's any help there, I don't know. But um, okay. I think one thing that one thing would helpful would be like a, a digital gardening expert or someone who gets that stuff. Um, so I want to build out this public room and I'm very much a fan of working with the garage door up, seeing what happens, like letting the serendipity happen of itself, um, which is what's happened with the newsletters and Twitter and everything else. Like, I want to keep doing that, but I don't really know how to approach what to put out there. Essentially. I'm not sure where the line between private and public is. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of going into the over, over engineering, over designing <laughs> it mode for the public one. And then more broadly, uh, how, how to design courses, particularly from something so woo-woo. Like it's, it's very hard to describe. It's not like kind of, here is a, power, here is a framework. Go and apply the framework. Yeah, yeah. It's much more like experiential games, like multimedia, um, and kind of what's the, what's the sequencing of things you have to learn, which I'm trying to figure out. So anyone else who kind of has experience with that, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for to understand as well. I just had a really quick fleeting thought. On the notion of you trying to take the first step towards designing your public Rome, Mm. Is it because you care too much Might about be. how? Yeah, it it yeah. feels like you it. see what I mean, right? This right? is how yeah. it happens, and yeah. I'm and I'm whenever I talk about this stuff, I'm in no way perfect or done with this stuff. Like I yeah. fall into the, all the same traps everyone else does. I just have one more particularly good tool to remove myself. But there are some conditions, there are some patterns that are really hard to undo. Like they're from childhood. They're like the, I want to be seen as good kind of caring, mm. or I want to not mess up kind of caring. Um, these are quite deep, right? And this is like the work of personal introspection and, 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 and play. But um, yeah. And you can see how me caring too much is interfering with me just doing the thing. Yeah. And I, I tweet better when I don't care. And as my audience has grown, it's now like two and a bit thousand. I'm like, oh, I need to think more before I, oh, I, I go through occasional interference loops of like, what if they don't like me? And then I kind of like stop doing that. I'm like, this is dumb, just tweet. <laughs> you know, and it's, oh, it's fine again. But you can really see that the self-interference cycle is kicking in. Yeah, it's a constant battle. And it, it mm. you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like we are all masters of the Alexander technique. Mm. It's all like we're all just, but students in the path or the pursuit of trying to apply this routinely or at the yeah. very least, catch ourselves when we are about to embark on that interference loop. Like the catching is the hardest part because I, I have many days or at least many moments where I feel like I would willingly put myself in that interference loop because of the comfort mm -hmm. of it. May, mm. But then I might, I, may, I feel like, yeah. yeah. And I feel like I, yeah, because it's familiar. And in and, and, and that moment, my definition of the unknown is less of positive, which means like, you know, opportunity to grow, you know, opportunity to be a better person, you know, le lessons learned and all that. And more of 
I'm afraid of failing or something like that. I'm mm. afraid of ABC or whatever the reasons can be. Uh, it's, it's, mm. it's huge. Like caring to me is a very gray word in that it's mm. not really absolute. It's pretty interpretive. I think that's where we have to Absolutely. really worry about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so I would, I would maybe like, I have a couple of words I use here. I often say non-doing on Twitter. I'm coming mm. around to non-forcing as well. Um, so like, you, you know, you mentioned the, the, the battle, you have to battle with yourself. Yeah. Um, I would caution that kind of framing because oh. either side of the battle is interference. It's the same. So I've got a tweet thread on this, like doing and doing nothing are the same thing and doing and non-doing is the absence of either doing or doing nothing. So if you're framing it as an internal battle of like, I don't want to do the thing, but you should do the thing. I don't want to do the thing, but I should do the thing. It, like these two things are the same. And they're both interfering. <laughs> oh, okay. So what this is like, okay. so when you're saying that like, noticing, it's just like, huh, that's interesting. I seem to want to do two things at once. And then I seem to have my awareness collapsed. What if I just like notice this non-judgmentally and go back out into the world again and see what happens? Like this is a kind of stopping that cycle approach rather than having one side win over the other. Okay. All right. Okay. That refer- Okay. Yeah. You got me there. That's actually a very good point. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Because I've always, maybe in that moment, in terms of trying to find theories or concepts for myself and trying to mm. understand the world, I never believe in absolutes. So mm. since meanings can be interpretive, right? Like the word care can mean care differently mm. to you than it does to yep. me. But in my case, whenever I think about things like self-introspection, sometimes there are certain absolutes that bleed through and they ended up becoming mm. in my thought process where I'm like, oh, I, I, I don't want to do this, but I should do this. And okay, okay, that's... You got me there. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Yes. <laughs> That's actually, wow. Okay. I, I need to write that down. I'll, I'll probably put that uh, in, in, the room. My, in my <laughs> private room later. Uh, or actually, I'll also write it down as well here. Uh, I do have a couple of questions to finish off this chat, of sure, course. Please. And uh, so the two questions are, how would you describe Rome to someone who hasn't started using it? Uh, magical thinking playground. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Jesus. (laughs) It's, it's just like a place where you put ideas and things that you come across and then it shows you them in fun and cool ways later on. (laughs) It's a way that you don't need to think about how you, how you put anything into it. It just, it, it, it's non-coercive note-taking i like that non-coercive note-taking so you don't need a you don't need a framework you don't need anything you just like you just dump stuff in there and it organizes itself and then you watch like amazed as structure forms from what was previously structureless awesome awesome no i like that magical thinking playground yeah, the, uh, the the notion of not needing a framework, maybe if it could like market yeah. a lot that a lot better via the Rome cult, more and more people will be joining in. But like you said, onboarding is basically Rome cult. Like it's it's not even the exactly company, right. Like the the tool will still be there, even though Rome cult won't exist, right? But for some reason, Rome cult is taking the reins on like, yeah, you should you should take this uh, use this tool. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Final question: What does Rome mean to you? So okay. The term, I love the term Rome cult, for example, but I don't think of it in the sense of cult as in, oh, we're such a cult, although obviously we are. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of see cult as short for culture, um, ah. so the Rome culture. You know, the, it's a collection of people 
who all share the same kind of philosophical perspective around how ideas should be shared and developed and grown and shaped. And Rome, to me, is just an expression of that. It's like these people were looking for something to coalesce around, and they found it in Rome. So that's it's like a, it's a focal point for that way of being in the world, and that's what that's what matters to me. Yeah, I feel I look at it as a filter. Like this tool mm. is is either you agree with how it works, or you don't. And if you do agree, yeah. that's enough of an icebreaker, right? I've always, I think I had this dream one time where. I know I'm I'm too much of a Rome cult already, but I had a dream about Rome cult and that there was a town <laughs> and I would walk down the street and instead of saying hi to someone like a stranger passing by, I would just point mm. at them and say Rome cult and they'll say like Rome cult <laughs> and then we would just talk, right? And you just don't know, yeah. like the conversations are where all the bi-directional stuff is happening. Mm. But if your greeting was Rome cult, like <laughs> it would be... <laughs> it's... That's, 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 that's pretty culty as well, isn't it? It's like a secret handshake. <laughs> like, you're just like... <laughs> you have like a bi-directional link somehow you know whatever um yeah so it's, it's interesting though because i i can i'm pretty sure that if i spoke to anyone who uses rome seriously i would get on with them in some dimension right so we have had a conversation for an hour that's been great we've we've kind of deviated into things that are in the database if you like yeah um and not just the database itself but you know we we see the world similarly enough that we can relate and I think that's just what, what Rome does, right? Is it filters for for that? Like you were saying, is this is a filter. People who don't get it, well, okay, well, we'll relate on different ways, but this is not this is not how we're gonna get on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a, we just need different ways. Yeah, that that thinking, that that filter, I feel like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, really, is it's just really pretty much that uh icebreaker. I feel mm. that if there was ever a meetup for a Rome cult, the conversations will be so fascinating. It'll be a, a, like a mixture totally. of what, like what you said, things happening inside the database and what I would call things outside the database, right? Because you have those thoughts and you have those resources that go into that room. But the architect of that room graph has a specific character and they've mm. put so much effort into putting these things in there, their own tagging system, their own pages, their own notes, references, whatever. Whatever happens outside the database, um, the things that, are, that consist of what is outside the database are the ones talking. But the topics are the things that are happening inside. Uh, I, I mm. guess pretty much this is just me just trying to impose Rome research as a tool, as an <laughs> understanding or a way of life into everything that I see or everything that I observe. But uh, it can get a little bit dangerous. But <laughs> that's, that's, well, uh, that's, yeah. Well, hang on. There's something in that, I think, because I've, I've been to, so, you know, Burning Second Brain meetups in London. Um, oh, there have okay. been a few of them. Um, and the people who go along to that have the similar kind of um, mindset around, you know, knowledge management and the kind of people who take courses like Building a Second Brain, right? That, that filters for a certain kind of person. Yeah. And then again, the the interesting conversations just come up. You know, we talk about, you know, Evernote tools, whatever, and, and Rome obviously came up um, before too long. Um, and that's just, it's just the, the foundations for the wider conversation on top of that. So Rome for me is not the thing i'm not interested in rome as like how it's coded or like all the features i'm interested in what it enables and mm -hmm. what it enables is for me to understand the connections between things which means that in conversation with someone who also has the same kind of approach it's much easier to kind of go laterally and follow connections around our mental versions of the of the database of the map right and it just makes that so much easier rather than kind of thinking in silos 
now I'm thinking in in bidirectional links much more. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm starting to think that way as well. Even writing notes in my notebook, I would add the brackets because mm. I know that they would be important uh, later on once yes. I put them uh, on my Rome graph. But I think that's just me going insane. I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing about using Rome actually is that at work I don't I don't really use it. I use it for kind of logging my how I feel, kind of interstitial stuff. But I don't use it for actual note taking. And I can't tell you how bad OneNote is, un, you know, until you've used Rome seriously. It's like I want an I want by directional link. I want to tag this sentence. I want to do all the things that I can't do because ah, <laughs> you know, that's switching between like note taking paradigms is difficult. I'm finding. <laughs> but uh, with the advent of Rome research growing over time, especially for the next five years. With true believers like yourself, Michael, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can we find you if we want to contact you or talk to you about <clears throat> Alexander Technique or anything, any field of your interest? Sure. Um, so main place is uh, Twitter. I'm at M underscore Ashcroft. Um, I write a newsletter called Thinking Out Loud, which is the broadest title I could think of um, at thinkingoutloud.substack.com. And there's an Alexander Technique one as well at um, expandingawareness.substack.com as well. Awesome. And of course, links to all of these will be in the public Rome graph for Rome FM. So if you want to copy these notes over, especially these on-the-fly notes, which I'm going to be honest, <laughs> when we were writing this out, when I was writing this out, I stopped halfway because I was just listening. So we might be uh, incomplete right there, but it should be okay. Links to all of these will be in the graph for you to copy to your own. So, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app. And for a full version of the show notes to this episode, you can check out the public Rome graph. The link to that will be in the description right below. For more updates, comments, feedback, and suggestions, you can reach out to me at RomeFM on Twitter. Keep roaming your thoughts, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.